0: BBC ninety-seven point three. London's biggest conversation continues with Steve Allen. Well, anyway, so right. <laughs> I'm not well, you know, this morning. I'm really not well. Anthony, sleep well. So lovely to see his little face later, wouldn't it? Look quite buff this morning, actually, if buff is a word for it. Unlike poor Phil, kid, Phil poor Phil. Can't speak now. Phil Kid from Leeds. He always, poor boy, I I think working overnight makes him ill, I'm convinced, (laughs) certainly making me ill. I walked in this morning, I thought, I definitely feel as though I've got a cold, I definitely feel, and you know you can tell, it doesn't matter what anybody says, and last night, and also I've gone a bit deaf as well, which doesn't help, but um, uh, I had a bit of trifle, but I took all the cream and the custard off and just had the bottom bit with the fruit, thinking that kind of adds up to five pieces of fruit, and so I, I had that, and all of a sudden, for some strange reason, probably reacted badly with the wine, I felt sick. And you know you think, oh, I think I'm going to be sick. Because I've woken up before, not, you know, not not that often, maybe it was sort of once a year, and you think, I'm definitely going to be sick. So you stand in the bathroom for ages, and I always remember years ago, I told you the other day that my mum, if ever you said I feel sick at night, she, she'd put by the side of the bed a washing up bowl with dettol in it. Well, just the smell of dettol used to make you feel sick anyway. So you'd have this by the side of the bed. So I'm standing in the bathroom yesterday thinking, oh, God, I'm definitely going to be sick. And then you think, oh, no, I'm not going to be sick. So you see, you kind of sort of forget about that, but I thought must have reacted badly with a trifle, and then I thought oh I've got a cold coming on. The back of my throat's gone a little bit, and my stomach doesn't quite feel right. And and then I watch Britain's Got Talent, and every time, every week, it manages to make me cry. There'll always be something on there that will make me cry. Mainly, uh, it'll be some kid who is very good on stage, and they come on, they do their act. And they go, how old are you? And they go, I'm ten, or twelve, or whatever it is. And they, they, and they seem terribly grown up. The moment they then say, you're through to the next round, they run off stage and they become little children. And they sort of cry and do all that. Well, of course, that gets me going as well. I spoke to my friend Helena last night and she said, ex- she said every week, without fail, this blooming programme makes me cry. And I said, it's just clever, isn't it? But the poor little uh, girl, the little ten-year-old, who was a very good singer, she didn't get through. How come she... And somebody said that the drummer never got through either. The 12-year-old. And yet, they put through a couple of balmy people. You know, I'm not interested in that silly bloke who's singing from Les Miserables, because he's getting on my bloody nerves. He really is. Oh, by the way, if you have just joined us, good morning. Nice to be company. Welcome along to The Voice of Reason. Not necessarily this morning. Having heard uh, Anthony's programme overnight... Quite clearly, some people can't interpret the Bible, and some people can interpret the Bible. But it's funny, though, it was written a long, long time ago and got changed over the years, so you can't believe anything. I mean, you don't actually believe that, sort of, it, it says... You, you always get people who quote it. Whenever you get a gay story coming up within the church, it's amazing how many homophobes it drags out of the wardrobe. They come on there. It says in the Bible, man shall not nigh with man. Well, I don't really think, um, you know, the Almighty wandering about Bethlehem had the faintest idea what a... Pair of old queens were. I uh, shouldn't it? they just went, you know, because if you go to biblical towns, there's lots of men walking around holding each other's hands and arms. In fact, the Edgware Road's fairly popular with that kind of thing as well. People do it, nobody thinks about it. It's only those who worry about it are those who are a bit interested. Get my drift? Anyway, nice to be company. Uh, I will mention again the Iceland story, which we did on the programme yesterday, but you might not have podcasted and you might have been doing things elsewhere. Because today, being Bank Holiday Monday, by God, the police were out in force in Leicester Square. When I came in this morning, a little bit earlier than usual, we, we couldn't go through Piccadilly Circus because it was all cordoned off with police and uh, vans and sirens. What sort of image does this send out to people who arrive in the country? They arrive here and you think, well, have a walk through Piccadilly Circus, very famous, and there's all these marauding yobs all over the place. do these people work? Quite clearly, no they don't, because they seem to be there most nights. Ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Paul in Manchester says, I know we have another four weeks or so before you dig out the Ray Conniff Christmas album. Cause it's, Christmas is, a, is but around the corner. He says, but I have found a track that was on BBC One most Christmases they start programmes on Christmas Day. It's called Holiday for Bells by Bert Camphot. I know it very well Indeed. Is that the one that goes, dun-dun-da-dun, dun-da-da-dun, 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 dun, dun Well, that was a bit off-key, actually, so I shan't be singing on Britain's Got Talent. Although, did you notice, did you notice yesterday that uh, the Hairy Melon, whatever her name is now, uh, when she started singing, not as good as I thought, not as good. She kind of picked up, but uh, she's not. And also, now we hear from people in the hometown of Susan Boyle, who frankly has had that little makeover. I'm getting a bit annoyed with her now. She's now really annoyed me. Because yesterday she was a little bit up herself, I'm afraid. Oh, you know, and then local people in the pub say, you want to hear her language. She swears like a trooper. She makes Gordon um, Ramsay looks like he's uh, he's a kindergarten boy. So I can well imagine, you can imagine... You are right, Susan? Why didn't you... Off. You can see it, can't you, now? Don't be fooled by the little sweet face. Because she isn't. She isn't. Mind you, the good news is, I was quite pleased about the fact... Because when I watched, and The Sun reported this morning... Uh, the uh, 73-year-old dancer, all going, oh, he's fab, isn't he? Oh, you're one. What an inspiration. Yep, to benefit fraudsters everywhere. He's on disability benefit. How can you be on disability benefit and start rolling... What sort of disabled thing do you need nowadays, for God's sake, to get disability... Because I'm claiming it tomorrow. I'm going in for it. Because, believe you me, I can't do any of the stuff that he was doing. So I need to be on disability benefit. I need a blue sticker so I can park the car everywhere. Because, you know, me and my, my gripe with the people who... Uh, misuse the badges. And it goes on a lot. I saw a woman the other day. She was in Kingston. She had the blue badge on. She was probably about... She could have been between 50 and 60. But she was able to lift heavy shopping bags into the... She had a whole trolley, and I'm thinking... what? I wanted to go up to her and say, excuse me, I don't want to be rude. What disability have you got... Because I'm totally convinced it was probably her mother's, but a lot of people whose parents have got it, they leave them at home, they go out shopping, because they think that you can go out without the disabled person and use the badge. It's called fraudulent use. It goes on all the time. Uh, other stories of the papers today, which i will get round to a little bit later on. Uh, the Jordan and Peter entree, I'm, I'm, I'm backwards and forwards on this one. Yesterday, I thought that they've taken this story too far. And they're now trying to backtrack on it, you know, Jordan sends texts, let's talk, let's get back together. He said in the papers today, not interested, want a divorce. And I'm thinking, oh, finally, the Greek boy stands up for himself, as opposed to being the wuss that he's been up until now, the drip of all time. You know, the patsy husband who's just there, no career to speak of, as such, just sort of hang, you don't want to be with her, Pete, you've only got to look at pictures of her. She's minging. Don't be with her. She's nasty. She's rude. She's horrible. She's. V- Let's face it. Her best friend's Michelle Heaton. And you know what a foul-mouthed old bag she is. God, me don't hang around with these people at all. Uh, 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk. No, D, uh, today. Today. Not yesterday. Today. Uh, Lynn says, my, what a special day. I have it on good authority that something special is happening in Hornchurch. The bunting is up, the balloons are ready, and the band are tuning up. A, ba- a band. Good. We've booked a band. Actually, strangely enough, uh, Chris Christodoulou sent me a a, um, a text. I've lost the blooming thing now. Where is the blooming thing gone to? One minute it was there, the next minute it disappears. But he actually sent it, saying there are reports that the roads around Hornchurch are blocked with listeners. Goodness only knows why, Chris. Goodness only knows why. The police have been redeployed from the royal and parliamentary duties to maintain order. I know uh, it's nice to have uh, a thing like that. He's he's dusted his lens, charged up the camera, and he's going to fight his way through the crowd. So if, for example, you might be going to Hornchurch, and if, for example, you're going there, just remember there's a very good chance that your photos will appear on the internet. I only warn you of that now, because we have to at the beginning of each show, in case, you know, you've taken somebody else and you don't want to be seen with them, there's a very good chance your photo will be up on the net, possibly by tomorrow morning. Anyway, Uh, so... uh, there's another one. Paul says, "Suppose you may be going to Hornchurch Bank Holiday money, Just wish you'd walk up here for a change." I do like Manchester. I do like Manchester. I'm not even going to mention the horse racing later. We shall get Kitrimeladies Street Humboldt... not Kitrimeladies. <laughs> Phil Blacker, poor old Phil Kitrimeladies. <laughs> Every time he comes in, he s- I sneezed this morning. He said, "Bless you." He started sneezing. I said, "Bless you," but I don't think he uh, don't think he heard me because he had his headphones on. Um, Stuart says, "What a morning is this! Clear blue skies in Surrey. Get your listeners out and about." I don't want to be alone on a day like this. Do you know what they say today? 27 degrees. Phil said to me earlier on, he said it's going to be 27 degrees today. So I thought perhaps we should celebrate by taking our shirts off upstairs just to see, you know, whether he sort of starts off with an advantage. He's slightly darker than I am. But uh, 27, I'm not sure I want 27 degrees today. I'm almost looking forward to the rain, which they have forecast. Almost looking forward to the rain. Almost. 27 degrees there. Oof. Not my kind of thing at all. But everybody was out yesterday, so when I get back today, I've got to water the hanging baskets. But it does say here, uh, showers tonight, clearing, feeling mild. Heavy thunderous showers, particularly in the south and east of town. Warmer than yesterday, 27 degrees, currently 13 degrees doesn't seem possible does it 13 degrees okay what we'll do in a moment we'll go through the the papers i warn you now if you're a new listener i'm liable and especially if i've i've got the makings of a cold i can become even more bitter and twisted than uh, as per usual and i might be rude about certain people and uh and i and i I want you to know actually that i really couldn't care less whether you like it or not (laughs) because some people write here how could you be so rude about people the answer is quite easily quite easily. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's the same as everybody else. You go to the pub and people say, did you see that thing last night? And people go, yeah, and they go, well, rubbish, wasn't it? Rubbish. And you go, yep, it was absolute rubbish. It's like you look at pictures of poor old Jordan in the paper today, looking so ancient, with those ridiculous white glasses on. I'm sorry, Petal. You just look ridiculous. They don't suit your face. They're very bad. It's like, it's, there's another picture inside the paper today of um, uh, Princess Beatrice God knows what this girl does for a living. Probably the same as her mother and father. Nothing. Nothing. But there's a picture of Peach's Geldof. Do you know, if ever you want to see what ruff looks like, this is it. How embarrassing. Wearing those ghastly tattoos all over her body. Ugh, yuck, yuck, yuck. And again, silly white glasses. What you should do, look in the mirror, and if they don't suit you, don't wear them, dear. And quite clearly, they don't. You look as ridiculous as Jordan. These, I've seen blokes wearing these white glasses. They're mainly Essex blokes of limited intelligence. I'm sorry, they're for girls. Unfortunately, the sort of girls who appear in the papers today... You look at Jordan and these silly glasses. This filthy, dirty old uh, T-shirt she's wearing, which isn't even ironed properly. A filthy, dirty old skirt. And this is totally a glamour model. A glamour... I'm sorry, perhaps I'm misinterpreting the word glamour. But you look at it and it looks dog rough, ladies and gentlemen. Go on, Pete, go for it. Get rid of her. Ditch her. You don't need her. You've got millions. People will probably take you a bit... I mean, admittedly, you are a bit of a a wet lettuce, I'm afraid. But, you know, perhaps you might butch up over the year. I think it's unlikely, but, you know, it might do our best. But uh, get rid of the ugly one. You don't need her. She's brought you down. She's an embarrassment. Nobody likes her in the country. Most people think she's, you know... Uh, and then we will run through the uh, semi-final. Unfortunately, Dreary Susan is in for it, but you know she is because they've already booked the Prague Philharmonic. So she's recording an album of show tunes. God help us. How many more bloomin' albums of show tunes do we uh, need? Well, however, I'm quite up for, uh, for diversity. This is one of these street groups. It's nice to see, you know, boys actually getting out there and doing a bit of dancing. Uh, very good indeed. Uh, unfortunately, Natalie Ocree is out which is a shame, and I think uh, is Darth Jackson. What a load of rubbish this person was. Are these, I, mean, I, I know, generally speaking, it's people who've got some mental illness who make it onto the television. The faces of disco, as I say, have been around for donkey's years. They've been working as a professional act for ages, so I don't think they should be allowed on there. But I do love the story of a bloke who's, just very quickly, he's holding up the, uh, the motorway traffic, and people are getting really fed. He's sitting on a gantry, and this is in uh, Japan, I believe, and, um, no, it's in China, actually, in, uh, uh, Guangzhou City. And so this driver gets out of his car and he goes up to him and he goes, listen, you're holding up the traffic. What do you want? Are you, you going to jump or not? The bloke goes, no. It pushes him off. <laughs> so anyway, the traffic goes uh, much better after that, as you can well imagine. So <laughs> just yeah, can't believe it. Stop holding up the traffic. It's like here. We do the same. There's somebody sitting on Tower Bridge. Not not this, mo- not this morning. And we all sit there and the police stand underneath and try and talk him down. No, no, no. Just, if he wants to fall off, let him fall off. I couldn't care less. Don't bother me. 16 minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3 in it's Bank Holiday Monday. Whoopee! John says, never mind Manchester. Get yourself to Leeds. The shops are better. I spent a night in Leeds once. Dale and I went up there because uh, a friend of ours who worked for the radio station there uh, was dying and it was going to be our last opportunity to have uh, a meal with him. So we went up there, and we had dinner. It was a guy called Peter Tate, who worked for the radio. They'd worked there for some years. Strange enough, he'd been out to uh, spend time in America, and then he'd just disappeared, because he obviously knew there was something not quite right, and he was in the early stages of a, of a brain tumour, which then got worse and worse and worse, and sadly, Peter lost his life at a very early age. So we went to Leeds, so I remember Leeds very well, and we stayed in a hotel. All I remember is... It's, it's Student City, so I, I can only describe Student City as, by God, there are loads of drunks everywhere. It's a little bit like Leicester Square. Not our side of Leicester Square. We're actually the posh bit. It's the other side of Leicester Square, which is quite clearly the sort of the rough end of town. But uh, in Leeds, it was, it was interesting. It's the only place, actually, that I've ever been where... Everybody stands on, and most of the girls are in high heels, lots of fake tan, lots of bags of chips and kebabs. People slumped in doorways. I've never, I mean, I've seriously never seen anything like it. It was, it was like a throwback to the, uh, to the six. most of them were throwing back, actually, to the, to the sixties and seventies, where, sort of, people would be in doorways. It's like, I remember driving into the studio years ago, when we used to be in Grayson Road, and New Year's Day was the facet, because after New Year's Eve, there'd always be somebody slumped in a doorway, a girl with a piece of tinsel around her hair, holding a fairy wand. There'd be some bloke slumped over the front of a car. Far- People would be asleep all over the place. And you'd get, you know, and it was just sick every... Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> it really was- Leeds was a bit like that. A <laughs> little bit like that. We quite liked it. We did go out to a club. We went out to this, this sort of nightclub. That, uh, it was under the, the uh, railway arches. And all I can tell you is, we didn't pay to go in, quite clearly. Celebrities, and well, I wasn't; he was. And and it was, and and we said to the taxi driver, "Listen, we'd we'd like you to wait here. So when we come out, we've got a taxi. we don't want to start wandering around the streets. But if you're a famous person, then you don't want to start wandering around the streets. People, go, oh, hey, oh, you get a lot of that. You know, people can't string two words together. Uh, it's a bit like that round Hornchurch this afternoon, I should imagine. But anyway, so we we, we say to the, this this taxi driver, "Can you wait here?" Well, of course, they'd obviously never heard of this before. He'd quite clearly never heard of uh, waiting. I said, just, just, just keep the metre ticking. You know, we'd probably only be like half an hour, but we'd want to walk out and get in the car. And true to his word, he sat there, and, and he waited. I think mainly because he couldn't believe his luck, actually, that somebody was actually paying him for sitting. But, of course, he wasn't even sure whether or not we would have paid him. But being honest people, it's what we do, you see. Um, what have we got here? Uh, the Apprentice. <sighs> evil, uh, evil Deborah. She's nasty. I've only ever seen her a few times. God. Lamish is horrible. And uh, Ego Ben. Not very exciting. Uh, nice as well to see uh, Cheryl and uh, Bianca Gascoigne still heroically refusing to trade on the name of the ex-husband, ex-stepfather Paul for some tacky makeover show called Make My Body Younger. Apparently they were thinking of doing an autopsy uh, on Bianca. Difficult to tell while she's still alive, isn't it, really? They were saying, she, because of all the booze she's had, she's got the brain of a 65-year-old. As we said last week, more like an 8-year-old, I'm afraid. Stupid girl. She was saying the other day in the papers, although if you believe it, you believe it. Anything. Um, how, you know, she, she's waiting for the phone call for some, from Celebrity Big Brother. I said, but darling, you're not a celebrity. You're just trading on your stepfather, because you can't do anything else. Sad poor person. I do like this royal chauffeur who's been suspended. I mean, I I just find it absolutely unbelievable that the news of the world can find... How you find these people? I've got no idea. And arranged to hand over some money, apparently. Apparently a £1,000. And you just walk through and they've got this footage, which I've watched on the television a hundred times now, of him walking through the gates, the, the reporters, with a hidden camera, and nobody challenges them or anything. No security. I mean, quite clearly. I mean, the man has been suspended. He's also, it turns out, got a, um, a Lithuanian hooker as his girlfriend who spends nights in the Royal Mews. She charges £200 a time, not judging by the look of her, let me tell you. <laughs> she looks like she's 200 quid for the whole night, and that's about 50 blokes. So all these people always go, oh, no, I'm a £1,000 a night hooker. No, they're not. They're generally liars, I'm afraid. But I did like, and I have to mention it again, because it was such a good line, after we discovered that girl the other day, the Romanian, who sold her virginity on eBay to uh, a businessman for £9,000, and she said, but I'm not a hooker. One of the columnists said the other day, but you so are. The trouble is, you're just a very expensive hooker. I love it when people say, I've just sold my body for sex, but I'm not a hooker. What do you think it is? You know, I suppose different if you just had a meal. In which case, it probably makes most of you listening hookers at the moment. Because, come on, how many of you have been out... Oh, would you like to come out for a meal? Yeah, that's great. So at the end of the meal, they go, you want to come back to my place? And you go, what for? They go, you know. You get, what? A cup of coffee? Yeah, a cup of coffee. And you get back there, and they never offer you coffee. Have you noticed that? I've sat there for hours. Excuse me. And what, you did say coffee. I haven't got any milk. I went back to a friend's place once, and he said, oh, I'll come back for a cup of coffee. And I sat there thinking, where's... And it, no milk in. How can you invite people back for a cup of coffee? I mean, quite clearly, fraudulent. I think if you go back to somebody's place and they say, would you like a cup of coffee, then, um, and they don't have it, you take them to court. Because that's telling fibs. You don't do things like that, do you? You have to, you know, you've got to be nice. I remember once, can I tell you this? Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I was with a friend of mine one year, we, we did get a bit drunk in a pub and we're standing there. And we were standing in a doorway between two bars, and every time people went through, we were going, <laughs> do you want to come back for a cup of coffee? Do you want to come back for a cup of coffee? And this person <laughs> turned around and said, do you mean coffee? And went, no sex. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no fault in fibbing, is there? Nobody ever means that. At the end of the hello, do you want like to come back? What for? Look at my etchings that used to be years ago. Nobody ever had any etchings. What they meant was, you want to come back for a bit of rumpy-pumpy? And of course, in my case, <laughs> it was just conversation. Nobody was ever remotely interested in anything else. Funny, says Dawn. In Ryslip. How you just mentioned that something may be happening in Hornchurch. I'm going to Hornchurch today with my husband, Steve, and mum, Renee, René. We're going to be sitting in row B, watching someone. I wonder if other people will be going there too. I oh, have no idea. It's fascinating to me, this. Fascinating. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Have you noticed that since Jordan... Has had her lips filled. She looks as though she has a moustache. She's not looking particularly attractive. She does She does look as though she's grown a moustache. But there again, she might as well grow a moustache. There was a woman in the paper today. I should have brought the picture down, actually. She's got the world's biggest breasts. Each one weighs three stone. And I'm looking, thinking, oh, my goodness, mate. It's just dreadful. It's just awful. <laughs> not good at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Britain's Got Talent. Er... Uh, the guy's... Uh, 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 Nick and Chris and Crawley. Peter Andre has an album out soon. Oh, I know. We're well aware of Peter Andre's album and Jordan's book. Shame about the coverage in the paper. I hope he divorces her and takes over six million. Because, let's face it, they've earned it. Apparently, ITV2 have said they still want him to do the reality show. But who's he going to talk to? He doesn't appear to have any friends. You can hardly bring on the family, can you? Strange, isn't it? Amanda in Brixton says, ''It's amazing how people quote from the Bible selectively.'' ''Do you think they actually read or study the Bible or ever go to church?'' No. I don't think many of them do. And I'll tell you for why. Because when it used to be discussed on LBC, you'd always get the same people phoning up. You know, it says in the Bible, and You'd be th- this is Sunday morning, shouldn't you be in church? And if you ever say to them, have you been to church? Which church do you go to? They're very keen. Go, no, I d- well, it's nothing to do with it. Yes, all they do is they might watch Songs of Praise, and even then they probably don't, because they're so up their own rear ends that they just want to be on the radio or on television. They want to do something. And in fact, they're they're, they're generally the people who sit huddled over a computer, quoting the Barmies from America, where, you know, it says in the Bible, in Leviticus, or this, or whatever it happens. It's so long ago now. You know, and as you know, it was a load of old rubbish, I'm afraid. You know, we didn't come from Adam and Eve. There was no Garden of Gethsemane. There was nothing hanging down. The Garden of Eden. There was no sort of snake. There was no biting of an apple. We were on this planet millions of years before that. But, of course, you can't tell some people, can you? But it's it's amazing. I I don't seriously worry about it. I've always thought that most religious fanatics are, are just, you know, people who are quite happy living in their own little world. Unfortunately, sometimes they want to inflict themselves on us. And that's when I kind of sort of start building the wall up for them. Daily Mirror today, Katie's divorce shock, Jordan looking shocked, not particularly attractive. And well done to Philip Schofield, because you remember, Kerry, I'm, are you saying I'm drunk? No, dear, no, we're just wondering what's the matter. I am bipolar. Of course you are, love. <laughs> of course you are. And um, he's, she said, I want to go back on this morning. And he said, I don't want you back on this morning. I really don't want you back on this morning. So, thank goodness for that. Philip Schofield put his foot down and she's not going back on this morning. Good. I'm sick to death of these people. It was like yesterday, I happened to read you the story of, um, of Katie Price, who said she's going to go on Jonathan Ross's show to tell her side of the story. I'm not remotely interested, actually, Katie. Why don't you just stay at home and look after your children? Do us all a favour. Give us all a rest from you. Because I'm not interested. I could not care less... At all, I'm afraid. I really couldn't care less. I love the idea that uh, the Tory, Julie Kirk Bride... Remember, she's the one with the husband, and they're both claiming for all sorts of strange bits and pieces. Anyway, uh, she uh, was facing the axe last night after arrogantly refusing to answer questions in public about her expenses. She was asked on a, a radio phone-in about sunset. She put the phone down. Don't worry, uh, Julie. We will have your job for it. We will get your job. Don't worry. You don't, uh, we don't have people like you putting the phone down. It's called rude... But uh, if you've got something to hide, I suppose you'd better put the phone down as quick as possible. LBC. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Steve Allen. Phil Kitcherleedy is off to put his speedos on and lie in the garden, covered with uh, with suntan oil. Twenty seven degrees today. Uh, John says the district in stayed Stadium was headingly full of students, and I know the club you were in. Funnily enough, there's a picture of Dale in there. The hotel we stayed in was right in the middle. Right in the middle of Leeds. That's all I can tell you. And outside the front entrance is a little courtyard thing where the cars can drive in, but it's got a fountain in the middle of it. It's quite a posh hotel. It would have to be. We wouldn't stay in anything else that wasn't posh. But they had a buffet breakfast. And if there's one thing I love and I could eat right now, it's a buffet breakfast. You know when you go in there and it's, it's sort of ten quid or whatever it happens to be, but you can eat as much as you like? Well, you never eat that much because, to be honest with you, you're just going to explode. But had sausages, bacon, hash browns, fried bread, tomatoes, beans, oh, mushrooms... What else That oh, was just wonderful. And you just go and help me set and then toast and. Oh, crikey. I could always eat a cooked breakfast, provided somebody else cooks it for me. Um, um uh, 84850 oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Just when I was getting used to the death of the late great Jade Goody, um, you go and use her trademark language, i.e., minging. Don't you miss her as much as the rest of the world? Unfortunately, the rest of the world doesn't miss her. That's the sad thing. They don't really, I'm afraid. Um, it's just it was publicity, wasn't it? At the time, was, but nobody misses her. Nobody put this way. They've hardly done anything about her. In fact, the the tribute program tour is on a is on a minority channel at the moment. You know, which most people can't even pick up, so they don't put it on uh, mainstream, as they say. Uh, also, the paper today. Uh, I keep worrying about the Jonathan Ross show. It used to get some really good show, uh, some really good guests. Now uh, they put Scott uh, Marsland on. Uh, who I think is in EastEnders. Exactly, I can't remember who he is, but he's in EastEnders. They put the Loose Women on. And you think, they used to get really good guests, and and if they put Jordan on, who's remotely interested? Who's remotely interested? (sighs) Naff, isn't it? Uh, Rabbit and Chips now. The Chippies are now flogging Rabbit to beat the Crunch. Apparently Fish and Chips is sort of out. I love the sign. We have a a new Fish and chip shop opening in Twickenham, and it's got Sea Fresh... I'm betting it's all going to be frozen. I'll let you know if it's sea-fresh or frozen, because I have a sneaking feeling, like most places, they buy it in frozen. Uh, Daily... Oh, let's go for... uh, Oh, no, I bring that paper down? Let's go for the Daily Star. You can always get some good funny stories out of the Daily Star. Peter Andre slammed the door of a reunion with Katie Price. Good, good. Uh, I love that uh, Premier League footy star. This is uh, Andre Arshavin. I think it's April. I'm probably wrong on that one. But he says £80,000 a week, the tax in the UK leaves him poor. Good, love. Good, I'm glad you're poor. Join the real world like the rest of us. Join the real world. Danny Minogue, good God, she's still around, is she? Uh, Has thrown the X Factor into chaos by saying she may quit as a judge. No chaos, Danny, love. No chaos. Go back. Go back where you came from. Nobody's interested here. Nobody likes you. I'm terribly sorry, but, you know, you really were the most unpopular person. Uh, She's keen to stay with her uh, fella, Brit rugby star Chris Smith. And Danny says, Chris is coming back to Australia for modelling work, so it's a major decision. I'm sure it is, love. Well, it's either a case of working or... Not working. Which one do you fancy? I suspect, of course, it'll be, it'll be working, because it's the only show that's actually uh, made you famous. Nothing else made Danny Minogue famous. A few limp singles in the charts, which I couldn't even name, I'm afraid. And, and being Kylie's sister, and that's about it. That's it, I'm afraid. It's all terrible, really. Uh, what else we got in the papers today? Uh, good Lord. Uh, sick tourist firms. Were wrapped yesterday for taking people to the 9/11 disaster site, Bosnian war zones, and Princess Diana's death crash tunnel. So he that, said that's quite normal because we do uh, visits to the uh, the fields, don't we? The killing fields. We do uh, visits over to the war. Uh, ...graves and the war sites in in France and things like that. So I don't think visiting the 9-11 disaster site is that wrong. Lots of people go there when they go to New York. And also Princess Diana's Death Crash Tunnel. They don't take you into the tunnel because it's got cars going through it. But you stand there and you can look and... Why? I don't know. But just, just on the... Uh, in France. Uh, Britain's got talent sensation. Susan Boyle. I bet she's got foul mouth on her. Last night sang an ode to her pet cat. She sang Memory as a final song. And, uh OK, love, but I don't know where you think the career's going. By the time Simon's had that, uh, album out of you, made a little bit of money, you'll go home, perhaps you'll come off benefits. That'd be nice, cos I still can't understand why she's not working. Why is this work? She's not, she's not ill, is she? She's not, she's not old, in any way, shape or form. Uh Natalie Ocrey, as far as I know, is out of the show. The violinist Sue Sun, the Darth Vader man's there. The dance team Diversity, they're very good. I like those a lot, actually. In fact, I like both the dance teams, on the, uh, the programme. I thought they were... They actually showed... So it wasn't just sort of standard break dancing, which is a little bit naff. And it's a little bit dated. This is... This is something a little bit more interesting. Nice to see JK, uh well revved up as he's sped off with two mystery women. One of them looks like his mother. And, uh, he was leaving a Notting Hill eatery at the weekend. You know he's about two foot tall, JK. You know he's really, really tiny. He's shorter than you, isn't he? I thought he's shorter than you as well. He's 39. And he whined and dined with three pounds before screeching away in a car. Silly tart. Silly tart. Screeching away. As I say, one of the women, pictured in the paper, does look old enough to be his mother. And, uh, he's made a fortune, hasn't he? And yet I never quite understood w- w- how, how he made so much money. I suppose because he writes his own stuff. It's like George Michael, isn't it? That's how it uh, works. But he's not done anything for ages and ages, unless it's something I don't know about. I just know that I remember once he had a big row with a friend of mine, a photographer, who he accused of touching his car. He bought, you remember he bought, They had this car, I can't remember Bentley or something. He said, you touched my car and he lost his temper. And it's so funny when a little tiny person loses their temper, because you want to pat them on the head and go, S- calm down, dear, it's only a car. Interesting, isn't it? A couple chosen to steam up Big Brother have been evicted already because they've split up. Uh, this couple here says, we're gutted, we thought we'd be up front and tell the truth, but all they've done is drop us. Uh, big Brother, so we have got no idea what they're talking about. In other words, they're not, they're not going to tell you whether they were in it or not. Uh, both from London, an 18-year-old pair, Melissa Nayer-Minton and Daniel Lewis. Bit silly, wasn't it, really, to tell them that? Because now you're out, and now, now you go back to obscurity. Which I always love, actually. Uh, Can you believe, says Gary, I'm actually going to Hornchurch. What are the chances of that? I know, depends who you're sitting next to. Depends who you're sitting next to. That'll be interesting, won't it? Um, Steve... You're all wrong. Just cause, C O S, dreadful, isn't it? We choose to follow the good book. It doesn't make us religious fanatics. Unfortunately, I suspect you're probably a fake email, a, a, a fake text, actually. <laughs> uh, Nick and Crawley? Absolutely. Did I win? Oh, that must have been in, in Gran Canaria. Was it in Gran Canaria? In, in our- Five-minute meeting. Must have been a five-minute meeting. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. I do remember meeting a couple, actually, from Crawley. And I think Nick was one of them many, many years ago. I was young and slim and gorgeous. Actually, I'm hoping today to be young, slim and gorgeous. Let's hope the lighting's kind. Uh, Daily Express. I don't know why I'm actually wandering through these pages. It's the same old rubbish today. In fact, it's even worse today than it was yesterday. Because all it's got is pictures of dreary Susan Boyle everywhere. I mean, I'm just a bit bored. You know, you know it's a contrived pro Beautifully done. Beautifully done. It Really, it's so clever. I can't knock it. I can't knock it. Uh, also in the paper today, hospital drama. Do you watch hospital dramas? I've watched a few, and to be honest with you, um, I'm quite... Yeah, they're a bit samey, aren't they? They're full of ill people. There's always somebody brought in on a stretcher, and I think, I'm sure I've seen this scenario before. Somebody's always sick, then we go... So, and you think, oh, that's great. And then there will be a nurse, nurse, can you clear this up? And then a nurse comes on, who isn't a nurse at all. it be somebody dressing up as a nurse. Then there will be a man sort of being a doctor, but he's really having an affair with one of the nurses that nobody knows about. <laughs> and, and then somebody say, OK, we're going to do this operation. And they come up with lots of big words. Uh, and I turn over. So, and there's always a dodgy patient who sort of, who's either escaped from, from police custody or failing that. They're in bed and they come around and say, uh, we're, we're, we're going to be doing this, uh, this operation today. And the next minute they turn around, and they've left. They've gone, because a friend of mine had this thing, which I could never bear, and he had, I can't remember what they call it now, but they put a camera down his throat. Well, I could not do this at all. I mean, I, I gag going to the dentist, I'm afraid. You know, the, he's only got to start working at the back of your mouth, and you st- you've got so many hands in there, and you, ugh, stop it. And this friend of mine had this camera all the way down his throat, on a piece of tubing. Well, I mean, it, it makes me feel ill thinking about it. Hundreds of empty Woolworth stores could be brought back. Well, I do hope not. I do hope not. Uh, the reason is, Tony Page, former managing director, is hoping to bring back a woolly-style shop to the high street, selling pick-and-mix sweets, toys, and everyday items. Well, that's what you sold before. Pick-and-mix, it didn't work then. Why are you thinking of doing it again? But uh, they have opened one. You remember Claire Robertson reopened her local Woolies in Dorchester under the name Wellworth's? You remember that one? That's quite good. I've yet to find out how it's still going. But there is an online Woolworth's store. You don't actually need to go to the thing. And also, it was, it was terrible for, for shoplifting... Because it was so big, and, you know, not all there, unfortunately. And nobody... You could walk out with stuff. I mean, I promise you, you could have picked up a fridge-freezer and walked out. And the alarm would have gone off, but nothing, nothing would have happened. Nothing would have happened. Hello, Luke. From Mark. There you go. Somebody says, you're on top form today. No, just average, I think. Just average. Uh Steve? I'm sick of hearing about Katie and Peter. He can't even sing. We well, did have that song, Mysterious Girl, didn't he? And that was about it, I'm afraid. Although somebody said perhaps he could write Cyprus's hit single for, uh, for, Europe, um, for Eurovision, which uh, would be quite good. Uh, 84850, steve at LBC.co. Cheryl says your show is wicked. A Wicked! It is a wicked show, isn't it, in a peculiar kind of uh, way. Uh, another one here, Grandparents... Oh, somebody you, you, you can't use rude words on a text because the machine throws it up, I'm afraid, and then it bans your number, which is, uh, which is bad. And it says, why do you constantly give an open door to the BNP? Um, I don't think we've ever mentioned the BNP on this programme, actually. <laughs> in fact, the one thing I deliberately go out of my way to do is not mention that organisation, because I, I just don't believe in it. So uh, I never do it. In fact, you can never accuse me of doing anything political. All I do, I'm afraid, I'm, I'm terribly common. I do, you know, other, other people do, you know, the, uh, the Times and the Financial Times. I do the Star and the Sun, I'm afraid, and the Mirror. I'm, 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 I'm very down market, because I work on the assumption that I'm appealing to the masses, not the minority. You know, fascinating though it is, and uh, today we have a story which is in... Now, where is it? It's in the Mail... And it's about MPs' expenses. But it's, this is MPs that we, that we know of. This is an MP that we know of here. And what it is, it's mileage. Because you know that they get mileage for going backwards and forwards to work. So, for example, Janet Anderson, Labour, claimed mileage £11,996 because she claimed she did 41,000 miles. OK? Even worse... Stephen Pound, now we know Stephen Pound very well, Labour, Ealing North. He claimed £4,251, covering 11,004 miles. He only lives in Ealing. So when they asked him, he said he drove between his constituency and Westminster two or three times a day. Steve, I mean, why do you drive two or three times a day? So you go all the way from Ealing all the way to Westminster... (laughs) And then you go, oh, blow me down, better go back home again. So you drive all the way back. I can tell you that it's only, I think, uh, 11 miles from Ealing to Westminster. So, my God, so he's doing 22 miles there and back. Then he's doing 22 miles there and back. And then he's doing 22 miles. So he's doing 66 miles a day. You'd think you'd remember what you'd left first time round, wouldn't you? I do love it. I do love it. Uh, David Wilshire, Spellthorn, for that reads Staines. He's 22 miles away, but he says to have covered 20,000 miles. I mean, I have to be honest. I'm going to have to hold my hand up here and tell you that I have fiddled expenses in the past. I have. I've done it at LBC. I have. I've done it. I mean, at least I'm honest. At least I I once... I once fiddled my mileage. I once fiddled... And then I said Because what we used to do is... A lot of people used to do it at the time. It was quite common in Fleet Street. The, you would work out how many miles it was, say to here to uh, Heathrow Airport, and you would say that you'd driven the car, but you hadn't. You'd actually taken the bus because it was worth it more on the money. Mi- Everybody I only did it the once, twice, m- m- three, three times. Anyway, uh, oh, guess what's happened? You'll never believe it. What happens on a bank holiday? Apart from the fact that everybody goes out and has a nice time and the sun shines. No. What traditionally happens on a bank holiday? No. Travellers move on to a site and they pave it over, over the weekend, very fast, because the council are not in session. There's nobody there and they've done it. This time they're down in uh, Gloucester in the village of Newent. Sixty people moved into a site they own. They've got it tarmacked, services put in, and the council are not there. And they can't do anything. As you can well imagine, the local residents are going, this is just bloody appalling. These people have no planning permission, but they've tarmacked it over. They've put in septic tanks, toilets, everything. Imagine if this actually was at the back of your... And they always do it bank holidays. In Blackmore in Essex, some travellers bought a three-acre field, moved on on Good Friday with 60 men and laid 1,000 tonnes of hardcore... Amazing, isn't it, really? And the council go, well, as soon as we get back to work, we shall uh, instigate something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Let's wait and see, shall we? It's, uh, 14 to 6. Hey. It's 11 minutes to 6. Morning, everybody, it's Bank Holiday Monday. Oh, Paul, it was the wrong track you were thinking of, but that's the one you've got on the Ray Conniff album. The one I mentioned is by Bert Camford. I sat watching the show when Susan came on, realised I'd seen the wild, deluded look before. She looked a bit like Eggnog Quick, Do you remember Eggnog? Eoggan Do you think they're related? Whatever happened to him? Surprisingly, he's touring. You know, he's the one with the rather camp earrings. And he's touring, I think, with uh, Westlife. I think he's going on as their warm-up. That'll be exciting, won't it? Very nice indeed. I hope the torrential rain doesn't arrive. About 2pm or after 5 in Hornchurch, says uh, Norrin. Getting very poor reception. Getting very poor reception. Thank you. There's no point in mentioning it again. 8 for 850. Another one. Oh, lovely Jan. She says... She says you may find it strange. This is young Jan, but I too am spending my bank holiday in Hornchurch. I have to reinforce our hot Mikado set, as we have a special visitor today who likes to wander around the stage looking for fragile bits. <laughs> 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 so uh, thank you for that, Jan, very much indeed, and I shall I shall pass that on for the uh, for the number anyway. Hopefully, look forward to seeing. It. I'll try not to break anything. I am. I'm famous for breaking things. I can't help it. I'm just at that age. You know what it's like. Just bear with me one second. Uh, uh, I'll come back to that in a sec. Uh, Just quickly, I must mention to you later again, I did it yesterday on the programme, but I have to do it again because I did do it on the early breakfast show. And so I'm going to have to do the Iceland story again, only because I think it's worth mentioning and and because it's got such a positive outcome. And it goes to prove that there is the power of radio. In fact, there is uh, a lot of power in radio. But fast, boy, was this one fast. We do take all your texts and uh, emails, steve at lbc.co.uk or 84850. Uh, another one here. This has uh, just come in. Uh, say, oh, We've just done Luke again, haven't you? Um, Camera down throat, says Dee. That's what I'm going into hospital for. They need to give me a general anaesthetic because they tried twice before with just a sedation and it didn't work. I can't think of anything worse. I absolutely can't think of anything worse, Dee. I mean, as you know, so they'll have to sort of sedate you for... Much easier then. Just not not pleasant thinking about it, is it? Uh, Steve, you'd have to laugh if Steve Pound did that journey three times a day. It would take all day. Good grief. Steve, I went to Southend yesterday for the air show... And uh, my God, what a bunch of people! You'd had a field day. I do like air shows, though. I'm big into air shows. We always we always make sure that we uh, we publicise air shows and Biggin Hill, and we love Biggin Hill because uh, my father, you know, used to be uh, in the uh, forces. So I've I've got lots of early pictures of me sitting in aeroplanes. Oh, totally. <laughs> actually, one of them I looked at the other day. I've have got a, a um, an air helmet on or whatever they call it. I just look ridiculous. I was going to use it. I thought if ever we sort of took pictures out to another show again. Um, I, I might actually put this picture up, because... <laughs> and I found a, a lovely picture of me the other day, when I was about 15, outside our youth club hall. Oh, my God, fathers, it's quite worrying. Anyway, let me tell you this story. We did it last week on the, uh, programme. And it was about the fact that I was in the hairdressers in Twickenham, with Michael and a load of people in there. And, um... A lady parked... Uh, sorry, a, a gentleman parked his car with a lady in it, disabled. had a disabled sticker, and he went to go and use the bank. He didn't park as close to the kerb as he could have done. Cars can get through, and as it turned out, this particular van, who I'm going to mention, got through. But unfortunately, he came up behind. He was delivering for Iceland. And he did the usual thing. Beep, 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 beep. So, of course, everybody sort of looks out the head, looking at, you know, yeah, right... And you think, well, you can actually get through if you just... You know, it's not that difficult. Anyway, he keeps hooting. The woman who's sitting in the passenger seat, is she can't quite clearly get out and drive the vehicle, so she's got to wait for her husband to come back. He's obviously in the bank, so it's it's a bit difficult. Anyway, he then manages to start squeezing his Iceland delivery van, it's only like one of these transit-type things, down the side. And as he gets level with the car, he lets fly at this poor woman who must have been in her 70s with the worst disgusting language I've ever heard, effing this you i mean it was just appalling and i remember we were all there going that is so un-, you know you might go next time why don't you strap your guide dog to the roof he'll tell you how to park the car that you could have understood but to let fly to what who could have been your mum my mum your grandmother who doesn't want to hear this kind of language from anybody let alone somebody and she doesn't know what's going on so he's shouting obscenities it was just it was wrong on so many levels anyway he then drives off so i tell the story on air Little realising, of course, that every time, well, I do realise, every time you mention something, sometimes you can get an instant result. And uh, via a very high-powered advertising in the north of England, they would like to have heard exactly what was said on the programme. So my boss, quite rightly, goes, oh, God, what's he said now? What's he done? Because he gets a bit stressed over it sometimes. Anyway, he took the piece off, he heard it, and he agreed wholeheartedly with me. Absolutely 100%. There was no way that this story was right. It was witnessed by enough people. Uh, then, luckily enough, we get an email from the founder and chairman of Iceland, Malcolm Walker. And Malcolm Walker... Right, I won't read you all of his letter, but I'll just tell you uh, that I'd also mentioned, and you know this for a fact, that uh, you get some low-life people who shoplift in in Iceland. And I watch them. I watch students going in there. They've got the suites at the back... There's nobody watching, and they just pick up handfuls. They sometimes open them as they're walking out and eat them. They haven't paid for anything. And, and I just think it's wrong. I just think it's wrong. And so, anyway, Malcolm Walker wrote, and he says, I agree, the incident sounded appalling. They called the driver in. Did you do this? Yes, he was fired. There's there's no way you can have somebody representing a company who's going to behave like that, because that might just be, you know, might be just one of many incidents that have happened where he's abused people. And you can't. You're sitting in a firm's van with the firm plastered over the side of it. You're a representative of that company. And I'm quite sure Malcolm Walker would agree with me that if you've got somebody like that who is doing your company a disservice, you get rid of them. We've all got clauses in our contract. If I bring LBC into disrepute, out the door I go. They're not going to hang around at all. If I start effing and blinding, if I'm on an LBC event and I'm effing and blinding, and people go, well, that's just, I sha not listen to LBC ever again, out the door I go. But you all know that. You should know that. That's how it works. A job is it's not a right. You have to earn a job. Anyway, the other good thing is, he said, I, I have spoken to the store manager, and it seems we do indeed have a shoplifting problem. Now, I feel quite, quite proud that I've highlighted it. What I think the store manager should have done is highlighted this to the managing director a long time before. Because shoplifting goes on. And it, it, people just shoplift. They shoplift from the chemist. They shoplift from Iceland. They just think it's their God-given right. If it's a big shop, they just... You wouldn't go into a bank. Well, I know mean, people rob them, but you just don't go... Excuse me, you just, you can I have just some of that money there? It doesn't happen. So uh, they've now decided, having heard the programme and having spoken to the manager, that they're going to put a store detective into the store. So two great results. we got a driver fired who was foul-mouthed, and uh, they're going to put a store detective in. So I can only... So we've actually created a job as well, which is even better. So for all the students at the Twickenham College who go shoplifting, your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. I want to see you carted off in police wagons. I want to see your education come to a grinding halt because you're a thief. Because I've really had enough of it. It's got so bad. Anyway, talking of uh, things so bad, some of the people on Britain's Got uh, Talent. Flawless, we loved. I thought Flawless were great. The downright ridiculous people was a guy called Merlin Cadogan who was the escapologist who put that diver's helmet on his head and filled it with water. No chance, dear. You're appearing in front of Her Majesty the Queen. The other one, DJ Talent, a rather stupid, aimless little person, that you're, uh, totally useless. Uh, 150 to 1, they put on him getting anywhere near it. Stupid. He, he's apparently he's a, a London rapper. He's a rather stupid boy, I'm afraid, with no talent at all. Mama Trish is a guy called Peter Coughlin from Stafford, who was bullied at school. And I have to be totally honest with you and say, well, if this is the kind of uh, act you were doing at school, I'm not at all surprised. Everybody was bullied at school. Okay, I've said it a million times. Every single person at some point in your school career, you were bullied. So I'm really not interested unless it came to something really, really serious. And we have had it serious before. But somebody just goes on stage, and goes, I was bullied at school now. It's just, I'm afraid, coming up with a pile of old rubbish. This was rubbish as well, this act. Uh, Fabio Chera was this oversized burlesque dancer who got her boobs out on television. She's 35. She's a mother of one who says she wants to make larger women feel sexy. Unfortunately, darling, it didn't work. It did not work at all. One of her nipple tassels fell off. I mean, it was just disgusting. The odds of her going anywhere, 200 to 1. Then we had a street entertainer who ate apples whilst juggling them. Nothing clever there. Every single juggler who does apples eats them as they're going. It's as simple as that. Stavros Flatley, this is the the Greek dancer and his uh, and his son did a funny version of River Dance. Uh, Amanda says I can honestly see you winning this show because she wouldn't recognise talent if he came up and bit her on the bottom. I'm afraid. Uh, the Barrow Boys, very nice. They're farmers. I'd love to see Hugh Broom with his little barrow dancing around on stage. Well, just dancing actually. Uh, Greg Pritchard. Uh, Was the one who looks like a rocker, a rather camp rocker, it has to be said, but uh, he comes from uh, South Wales and he sounds like a female opera singer. He's a male soprano. Okay, but there's no future in it. And the other problem is, where you've got a dance group like Flawless and any of the other street dancers, they can't go anywhere. And I'll explain to you why, good though they might be, they're never going to get booked onto shows. Details in a moment on LBC. You're saving. 97.3, London's biggest conversation continues with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's coming up to five minutes past six. It's Steve Allen's bank holiday, early breakfast, LBC 97.3, and you're very welcome. Actually, I was just laughing at a picture. I found two stories from the uh, papers from the other day. Firstly, uh, there's the ghastly Peaches Geldof um, at the Cannes Film Festival, wearing a Roberto Calvi outfit. Unfortunately, even he must be going, God in heaven, how to make your outfits look cheap and horrible. You know, fine when you put Victoria Beckham in them, but unfortunately, Peach's Geldof just looks like a turkey. A complete and utter turkey. You know, you could never make this girl attractive if you transplanted a head on her. I mean, it's just never going to happen. And she's wearing this outfit, and she's just, because she's, she's a bit blokey... You know, she's not... she's not... she's not girly-girly. She's too butch to... B- to be girly. She makes this... this outfit look like a sack of potatoes. Completely ruined it for you, Roberto. Good Lord. However, there is a man in the paper today. He's a, a... grinning rogue. His name is Mohammed Jamil. Mohammed Jamil is 34. What does he do? Because he's pictured in the paper the other day. Well, apart from the fact that he's a crook, he has accidents. He gets his friends to crash into you so that you can claim money off your insurance company. That's what he does. And through his own firm, which is in London's East End, he offers to lodge exaggerated injury and damages claims with the innocent driver's insurer. Claims can amount to thousands of pounds, and he takes a cut. And he thinks, when they approached him, he said, I'm very hard-working, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. It's unbelievable. These people are just crooks of the first order. A small wonder, you remember my accident in the car? You know, we're still waiting for the insurance company to pay out... We're still waiting, because apparently the other insurance company is... Uh, and I'm quite sure that my insurance company think I've either arranged this deliberately, for what reason, I've got no idea, but I'm now going to have to go to court over the whole thing, and the court's going to be up north or something, because that's where the insurance company is. We're going to have to go to small claims court, just to get back about six or £7,000. Whereas this crook here, Mohammed Jamil... Fake crash scam, along with others, police now operate throughout Britain. They cost insurance firms millions a year. He's the, he's the crook here, I'm doing it honestly, I can't get my money out of them. I'd have to start mentioning my insurance company on air. Or failing there, I might actually have to go even worse and drop them and go with another insurance company. Because the whole idea of paying a lot of money, and I pay a lot of money in insurance, A, because of the job I'm in, B, because I drive a big car, uh, and you think, wait a minute, I've never claimed before on this, I'm not looking for... I had to pay a £700 excess, and I'm still waiting for them to cough up. So if they're not careful, they'll be named and shamed on this programme. Anyway, uh, after a tip-off, one of their undercover investigators from the News of the World uh, posed as an Eastern European in need of cash, phoned Jamil. He was eager to meet, only pausing to ask where our man had got his details. It soon seemed clear that Jamil and his cronies, of course, crashes. He said, I have done for many people. I mean, it's appalling, really, and he's got a, a company... He says, uh, you go to that place, I give you pictures as well, and tell you who's hit you. Whether it's a lorry, a car, black man, English or Asian anyone, I'll give you the details. And he said, all you have to do is claim there were two other people in the car, and he would get damages for them. The passenger injury claim, maybe £3,000 per person, and you get a decent hire car free for a few months until it's sorted. You crook. You crook, Muhammad. Mohammed. A second people invested... It's people, actually, sorry. Posing as a Bangladeshi man, desperate for cash. Uh, met Jameel last week. This time, he said our man would be with his crash driver. He said, my brother is driving. You sitting with him as passenger, when everybody comes out, you just mention you're the driver. He says, you can probably get about £5,000. You crooked old crook. Why aren't these people closed down? Why do we have to have them in the newspapers? He probably thinks it's hilarious. He drives a Chrysler, lives in a £350,000 house. He said, I need five or £600 pounds from the people. Cash. Dodgy, I can't take cheques. You crook. Isn't it appalling? It really is dreadful. I mean, some of these people, the drivers who get tangled up in this scam, can lose their no-claims discount and run the risk of being injured. Similar cons in America have led to deaths. This man quite clearly couldn't give a stuff either way. But luckily you've been named and shamed and pictured in the paper, Mohammed Jamil. You nasty little piece of work. Honestly, isn't it? These people are vile. goes on all the time, though. He's probably just the tip of the iceberg. But it's when they walk around so smugly going, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. It's like travellers moving onto a field, you know, and just con- conning the electricity company by saying, oh, we're going to put stables up here. So the electricity company connect them up to the mains. Next thing, they fed it all the way through the site. The water they've diverted from a trough. You know, there are decent, hard-working people. I'd love to know, although I'd probably know the answer myself to start with. I mean, do these travellers pay tax? I mean, do, do they do they pay tax like the rest of us, or are they just in a cash business? Because they seem to have limitless cash. I don't know where it comes from. Tarmacking, I should imagine. But I'm always fascinated to you know as to how they earn a living. Uh, poor old Noring's having to listen off the TV now. The reception is dreadful. Do you think it's the weather? Is it? Is it does it get affected, radio reception, get affected by the, uh, the weather? Uh, please say a big thank you to my husband, Colin says Tina from Brentwood, who's given me an early birthday present. Ooh, I'm sure we'll have to mention that. He's taking me to Hornchurch this afternoon. Good Lord, what a strange place to want to take you. And she's in Brentwood. Heavens above. She said, I can't wait. Daughter Celine celebrates same birthday as you. I have emailed a couple of times, so I can't wait. So, so oh, you're a, a March child, a 17th of March. I like March, actually. What did you think of the brother and sister dance act? says Paul? I thought they were very good. I thought they were very, very good. Although when they came on, I did think they were boyfriend and girlfriend because you know they've been dancing together for years. He was very good. She was very, very good indeed. And uh, and it's I don't know. Could you ever dance with your sister like that? You know, if it, but they've been dancing. I think semi-professionally for a long time. Very good. Uh, he says, by the way, as you now have friends in high places, can you do something about Miss Katona? What well, do you think? We should get her taken off the adverts for Iceland. Do you think that my, uh, my sway with Malcolm Walker is going to be that good? Actually, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're, we're actually going to make sure, if he's in London next time, we're going to get him in to do the papers on a Sunday. Make him work for a living, we think. <laughs> and then I can sit down and say, right, now this is how I see the Iceland store spread out. We don't... I spoke to a friend of mine the other day who said he watched people stealing cigarettes from there when they used to sell cigarettes. Who would you have taken off, Kerry or Colleen. I think, actually, it's a hard-fought battle on that one. I'm afraid Colleen Nolan is beginning to get up my nose a little bit. She's a little bit too smug and um, keeps talking about her love life with her husband. And as I said yesterday on the programme, those who talk about it very rarely do it. I'm saying she spends most of her time in London. I shouldn't imagine she's doing it at all. Uh, I'd have Colleen taken off and and Carrie Katona. I'd have them both taken off. Oh, could I have one taken off? Oh, dear. Well, the trouble is, because... Kerry Katona doesn't know where she is three-quarters of the time. I'd take Colleen off. This is the woman, incidentally, who, for a 16th birthday present for her son, bought him a prostitute in Amsterdam. What a classy family. What a classy family. How lovely. Uh, Other people on Britain's Got Talent. uh, The dreadful Jamie Pugh. This is the shy pizza delivery man. You remember, his wife died ten years ago. And uh, so he's he's brought that one up again. And he's hoping for a career as a singer. Uh, Also, Aidan Davis. Uh, an 11-year-old from Birmingham who taught himself to dance by watching videos on the internet. A bit worrying. Sean Smith is the rugby-playing schoolboy. Uh, OK. Oh, I was going to tell you, actually, why these dance groups are not going to make it. Uh, they might make it onto the Royal Variety, because they're very good, the dance... But there's about f- 10 to 20 in each group. Now, look at it logically. An act that goes... Out- just supposing they go, right, we're, we're going to book you in for a summer season... How much money do you think they're going to earn? The answer is they're not going to earn very much money at all. Most acts on a summer season bill, I mean, Jack Seaton might have to correct me on this one, I would think if you're going onto a bill, you might earn, I don't know, 500 to to £1,000 a week. Well, how's that going to be split between 10 to 20 people? They're not going to make any money at all. Most shows couldn't afford They go, well, they're all going to want £100 pounds a minimum each. They're going to go, well, we haven't got that sort of money to pay somebody. They'd have to do five shows a day to make it pay, and, that you know, they wouldn't have the energy for five shows a day. So that's why I think you've got to look at somebody. It's like that DJ talent. Unfortunately, DJ no talent. No talent at all. Uh, you've got to look at somebody who's going to make the money. Susan Boyle, you can flog her album around the world because you don't need to worry about it because she's already had the hits on YouTube. Then you go, there's an album available. And that's somebody said she might be doing a duet with Donny Osmond. God in heaven. Surely Johnny can't be that desperate, poor soul. Hmm. Must thank Chris for the cup of coffee today. Very nice indeed. Thought of it's uh, no, I, I, I do like coffee, Chris. Thank you. I do like coffee. It's just something. It's, it's, it's very difficult. You know, when they used to do a coffee that was mellow birds. They used to go mellow birds will make you smile, and they did a little happy face in there. I'd have hit them straight away. You know, anybody doing happy face in top my coffee, and because it's coffee can be quite bitter, and at Starbucks they have a ten second rule. They're not allowed to have the coffee sitting in and then pour it in, pour the milk on because it's gone off. The coffee's got to be with the milk within 10 seconds. So they literally do the thing within 10 seconds of that in that little glass thing into the cup. Any longer, you give it back to them because they know the 10 second rule. I'm very, I'm very funny about that because I don't like bitter coffee because you pay enough for it. I mean, luckily with sort of Chris, we didn't have to pay any money at all because he just brought it down. I mean, he did slop most of it over the stairwell, it has to be said, in his little tray. And you know, surprisingly, no biscuits. No biscuits. You'd have thought, actually, you know, there'd been a plate of sort of dead fly, squash fly biscuits or, you know, some rich tea or something like that or some custard creams or some bourbons or a chocolate... Pe- nothing. Absolutely nothing. We got we got the coffee, which was nice. So next time, you know, a little bit more effort, perhaps some scones with some cream or something like that. Won't make too much of a deal about it, you know, just in case people think I'm being a little bit difficult, which, of course, I can be, as you're uh, well aware. Uh, other story of the paper today. Do you know that boys who feel closer to, uh Bob the Builder than their fathers. That's why Britain's Got Talent makes you cry, because you get little boys on there, and they run off stage and throw themselves into their father's arms, sobbing violently. Because it's quite an emotional experience. You know, when you've got a lot of people standing up and clapping you, and going, you're very good, and then they they go, thank you, thank you, and they run, and, and you think, that's quite cute. It's quite nice to watch. I'm, I'm all in favour of that, actually. Uh, Johnny says... With Dave, boy Cameron, wanting people never involved in politics to step forward and become an MP, will you please announce my declaration to be as pure as the driven snow candidate for Brixton South? Give me four years and I'll be a millionaire. Vote for me. Honest Johnny, your lovable wannabe MP. I'd love to be an MP. No, I wouldn't want to be an MP, actually. That would be just so stupid. Somebody said to me the other day, why don't you stand for Mayor of Twickenham? How much does it pay? It doesn't pay anything. Why would you want to stand for Mayor of Twickenham? You know, unless it's to get the, uh, sort of, the, the perks which come with it. Oh, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. Uh, unless you get perks. I, I don't know what the perks would be, I'm afraid. Linda says, I can't believe it. A double dose of you today. <laughs> what a star you are. When all those other presenters are off work, you work twice as hard. I'll tell you what it is. It's because I'm too mean. I'm too mean to give up the money. You know, people say to me, why don't you take a bank... Ho- I don't think I've ever taken a bank holiday off. I might, I might do it, but I think... The trouble is it's so easy because you're finished at, you know, seven in the morning. I can get home just as most people are toddling into work. So I don't look on this as any, any sort of hardship at all. The fact it's bank holiday, the fact I might be doing some driving later on, I think I will actually, I think I'll go out in the car later on today. I had it washed the other day, so I might as well take full advantage of it. Should I go to Essex? I'll go to Essex today. It's a nice little drive down there, just in case the godchildren are listening, not for you, not for you today. 16 past six... <laughs> For the travel, Hale and Austin, text 84850, Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Bank Holiday Monday. Wakey, wakey, rise and shine. Uh, Tom says, as I do like your show and I do get involved, wish me a happy birthday. I'm 69 and on my own. It's the trouble when you're 69, isn't it? That's the trouble when you're 69. It's it's a it's a dreadful age. 69. You're neither sort of 60s or 70s. It's a mental, a mental thing, I'm afraid. Nina says I have to put different radios on to get you, as I'm getting rap music on one. How does that work? It's me. <laughs> Do you know, it's actually not bad. Even I surprise myself here. Every day I discover... An, oh, blimey, I knocked over Chris's coffee. Every day I discover a new, new talent, some of which I can share with you and some of which I can't. Uh, George says, I can't stand vended coffee and travel miles for a real handmade cappuccino. But try coffee machines, vending machines and be amazed. We, we've got a, a coffee machine here. It, it's called Chris. Um, because, and the other one's broken. You have to, it has to be sort of handmade, and Chris does hand make it. He was showing me his house the other day. God knows why, the wife should be desperately worried by this. But he sort of showed, this is our back garden, this is our bedroom, mm, yeah, a bit scary. Uh, anyway, uh, in the in the papers today, well, they're all talking about, you know, will, uh, will Pete get back with Jordan? And we're saying, no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. You don't need it. Listen, you can have a much nicer life without her. Much nicer. You don't need somebody as revolting as that. You can really have a nice time. Go and stay in Greece for a bit. Go and talk to your family. You know, meet some nice Greek girl. No nice Greek girl. You know, I'm sure your family would be much happier. You don't want to go out with this girl. You know, you, you, you'll, you'll get joint custody. There's no two ways about it. You, you quite clearly care for them uh, very much. Whether or not you're going to get custody of Harvey, I don't know. I think that's probably unlikely. But uh, go for it. Go for it. Enjoy it. Listen, life's a bit too short Life is a little bit too short to be, uh, to be pushed around by people. Sarah says, only you can get me up at this hour on a no-work day. You see, I like that idea on a no-work day. You know, I was lying in bed this morning, actually, just before the alarm, about ten minutes before the alarm went off, and I was lying there thinking, do you know, even on days off, and Saturday being my day off, I still get up early. I can't lie in bed, whereas years ago, I used to lie in bed and I'd have the radio on and I'd go back to sleep again. Now, I'm thinking... I don't want to waste the day. As you get a bit older, you start thinking, I want to I want to take full advantage of everything. I want to sort of go out and do something. And when I used to finish work at five in the morning, when I used to do uh, the show that Anthony does at the moment, I used to get home and think, it's such a shame that you've got to go to sleep. But you do need to go to sleep. But it's such a shame you've got to go to sleep because you could, you could really go out there and do things. I mean, I, my favourite thing, I wouldn't touch it now with the barge pole because it's so revolting, but I used to drive home from LBC and I would call in at the Kentucky Fried Chicken... And early hours of the morning, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And the best thing, I used to have a producer called Mandy. And on my way into work, this was about two years ago, I would buy three portions of spare ribs. <laughs> of course, the producer because she's vegetarian, so, you know, can't beat a good spare rib. Anyway, and so we buy three boxes of spare ribs. And what we do, after we finish the programme at five... In the last hour, we used to have bits, you know, of looking back from the, the day at LBC. We would go and heat them up in the microwave. It was delicious. Eating food at the wrong time of day, because traditionally you'd eat spare ribs at night and then you'd probably go to bed. Or it's like me. I love curry first thing in the morning. See, curry first thing in the morning is great. Curry is fantastic. You know, especially over mashed potato, which is even more delicious because then the potato soaks up the juice. Isn't it? really nice? It? And I quite like that. And uh, and I'm, I'm always eating, not always eating curry, but I do eat it on odd occasions. And I love it. I, d- I do feel a little bit bloated afterwards, but you know what it's like. You know what it's like. You've got to eat things that you want to eat. I'm a bit worried about Woolworths, though. So I'm not sure I really want to see Woolworths back on the high street. What's going to happen to our one? I've got no idea in Twickenham. It's huge. I mean, it really is quite a, quite a huge Woolworths. And somebody said, oh, perhaps it could be a hairdresser, because mostly around our way, it's hairdressers. But I saw the cheapest haircuts ever the other day, and it was down in Isleworth. Three quid. Three quid for a haircut. Absolutely unbelievable, isn't it? Dr Hillary's wife is in the paper today. They say here with her toy boy, he's 37. This boy is 37. He's a man. He's 37. He's an ex-Navy captain. He does look like a young Hillary Jones. And uh, so they're going for a divorce now. That sometimes happens, doesn't it? She says, Hillary and I still talk. And, um, she says he left me seven months uh, ago and uh, we've just moved on. She's only been seeing this, this particular lad, this lad, he's 37, for a couple of weeks now. But I suppose it happens, doesn't it? People go through midlife crises or whatever it is. And then they, uh, and then they just sort of find somebody else. They go, "Poor, you're a bit of all right. And he turns out to be a friend of, we like Dr Hillary. We used to use him on the programme years ago. He used to drive in and come and do medical questions. He was very good, actually. I like people who can do things off the top of their head. We've had a couple of experts over the years who have to be pre-armed with the questions because they don't know the answers. We used to have a a brilliant guy who would come on, and you probably older listeners will remember, used to come on and do cars. Somebody would phone up and go, I've got a 1976, you know, rapier saloon, and it's, it's making a knocking noise. He'd go, ah, that is because... If you go, when you take it into the garage, ask them to check the thing, because it." and he would know everything about every car. Gerald Sauer was... Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We got more calls to him and to Christine Walkden than anybody else. Christine Walkden, the compost queen, who is back on the BBC again. She's been down at uh, Chelsea this week. And I think it was LBC that probably discovered her, or certainly launched her career. And uh, she was the only woman on LBC who could get through more calls than anybody else. Forty calls in an hour programme she could get through. She banged through. Somebody phoned up saying this, and she and she because she was from Lancashire. You know, she had a great accent... But, but never quite appeal to television until all of a sudden they suddenly realise that what, what people want on television, but you don't necessarily want glamorous people, what you want is somebody who knows what they're talking about. I like people sitting there who, who know the answer to the question. Somebody phones up and says, oh, on the subject of finance, could I do so and so? I don't want somebody going, well, really, what you need to do is write a list. We know that. That bit we know. We want to know something else. It's like looking at the Weather Girl on Sky. Wholly inappropriate clothes. Last time we had to criticise her, and luckily we don't even know her name, otherwise it would be worse for her. But uh, she was wearing... An, she looked like she just wandered in from a night on the tiles. And today she was wearing a low-cut dress. And obviously the producer has just gone into work and gone, when you put something on, and then the camera cuts back and she's wearing, again, a wholly inappropriate dress, with high heels, wear flats, wear flats on television, it's ridiculous, I see you falling over. Or just just a smaller heel... Th- you know, something that makes you look as though you're a serious person as opposed to, you know, somebody who's not looking like a serious person. <laughs> 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk. Kylie Minogue, is she going on tour again? People keep talking about Kylie Minogue going on tour. And, uh, and Rick Wakeman uh, uh, feared he was radioactive after flying on the same Russian jet as the spy Alexander Litvinenko. Speaking on the Hay-on-White uh, hey Literary Festival, Rick recalled, Adam called me and said, um, he said, have you heard the news about this Russian spy? This is his uh, his son, Adam. Um, because they were on the same flight. We love Rick Wakeman. You know, he, was, he was one of our good in conversations, very good. In fact, they're all good. They're all good in conversations, but he, he was particularly good. And coming up, I think, next week, I think... Who have we got next week on the programme? I'm trying to think. Is it... Uh, next week It's <coughs> Misha Paris." Very good, very good. Major Paris, very good indeed. And, of course, this week you can download Paul Nicholas. Uh, I might go bidding. There's a crime boss's life of luxury up for sale as the government battled to recover the cost of a massive tax swindle. This is Craig Johnson, 35, who, if he doesn't cough up another £26 million, there's another ten years in jail for him. His house is up for sale for 2750000 million. They're selling a Bentley, a Nage, a Ferrari 355, a Range Rover, a Ducati motorbike. And he's got loads of number plates... Loads of number plates, which could fetch huge amounts of money, so he's going to lose all of that. Fantastic! That time they started clamping down. Perhaps they'll go and clamp down on that uh, on that bloke who's being crooked, Mohammed Jamil. Perhaps they'll go and clamp down on him. Perhaps take his business away from him. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Because you know, people in uh, London's East End must know this uh, company. It's one of these no fin, no no, wi- no fin, no win, no fee places. And I always worry about those, as probably you do as well. There's more on this nurse again. And, and I said yesterday, will you stop it and grow up? This is the nurse with the cross. Strange enough, Andrew Pierce sided with her. This is a hospital worker. But apparently, uh, I'll, I'll tell you about her after the news, actually, in case you missed yesterday's programme. Because uh, she's uh, she's got to choose between keeping a job or wearing her cross. Up until now, she's had it hidden. But for some strange reason, best known to herself... Uh, she started wearing it openly, and they said, Listen, you can keep it in your pocket. No, I'm not, she said. So, in other words, she's not willing to compromise. She's another one of these ladies, and needs a good slap on the back of the legs, going, Grow up, stop being so silly. Uh, she works as a, a phlebotomist, which is somebody who tests blood, I think, takes blood samples, and uh, she can't wear this thing because it's a health and safety risk. She says, uh, they, they said to her, listen, you know what the uniform is. You've been told what you can wear and what you can't wear. And she's obviously decided, of course, she's now gone off with stress. Do you know what a bunch of wusses we've got in this country? I'm sorry, it's like my boss I said yesterday, coming up to me and saying, listen, I don't want you wearing short sleeve sh- shirts anymore. If I want to continue working here, and that's the policy, you know, wearing long sleeve shirts, then that's what you do. That's what you do. It's like going, um, I'm going to play tennis at Wimbledon. By the way, I'm wearing a tracksuit. No, you're not. You're wearing white shorts. Or, I mean, every time, you know, the, the cricketers started wearing all this funny war paint on their face, they just looked stupid. And people started wearing headgear and everything. Just a bunch of wusses. And now you've got somebody saying, listen, you can't wear it because of this and that. That's what the rule is. So she's gone off with stress. You do worry, don't you, about these people? Uh, you remember Nadia Awida? This is the woman who spent most of her time driving around Twicken with her car with her mother, another sort of woman who seems to they've got these smug looks about them. And it's a case of this is what the policy is, this is this is how it works. Why not adhere to it? <laughs> Twenty eight minutes to seven, bank holiday Monday. The big sporting calendar here with it is our sports editor Phil Blacker. Absolutely good morning. All four teams involved in the battle
1: for Premier League survival yesterday lost so the relegation zone remained unchanged. Newcastle and Middlesbrough joining West Brom in the championship as Sunderland and Hull stayed up. Now they're all having to face up to the future. Alan Shearer is refusing to say whether he'll stay on as Magpies manager but Gareth Southgate insists he's the man to bring bring Middlesbrough back again if given the chance. As far as I'm concerned you don't walk away in in difficult times. you you. you stand firm and you and you fight back. Obviously, you know, it's the chairman that will decide what happens ultimately, but I wouldn't contemplate even uh, turning that challenge down. Ricky Sprager though, quit as Sunderland manager straight after the final whistle at the Stadium of Light, even though they stayed up. He will remain at the club and say they're in a better state than when he took over. I feel now it's for uh, a foundation. It's up to somebody else to take it on and uh, I'll be thoroughly enjoying seeing Sunderland next year uh, moving up that table. Chairman Niall Quinn says they'll take their time finding a replacement. The game was also the last in the Premier League for outgoing Chelsea manager Gus Hiddink. He says he doesn't know if he'll return one day, but that he's certainly going to miss it. To be honest, a lot. I knew the league before, but now I've been in. Um, yeah, I will, I will miss it, of course, and I'll be back, as uh, first of all, as a tourist. Elsewhere in the Premier League yesterday, Fulham qualified for Europe despite losing 2-0 at home to Everton because Tottenham also lost 3-1 at Liverpool. Arsenal finished the season with a 4-1 win at home to Stoke City. Gary Neville has been recalled to the England squad after a two-year absence. The Manchester United defender has been picked for the World Cup qualifiers against Kazakhstan and Andorra next month. With regular goalkeeper David James out injured, Robert Green, Paul Robinson and Scott Carson will compete for his place in the team. Jenson Button is 16 points clear in the Formula One Drivers' Championship this morning. He's after a win in the Monaco Grand Prix for his fifth victory in six races. World champion Lewis Hamilton could only finish 12th after starting from the back of the grid. Defending champions Middlesex take on Surrey in their opening game of the 2020 Cup today, one of eight matches around the country. Yesterday, England went 1-0 up with one to play in the one-day international series, beating the West Indies by six wickets in Bristol. And there are six race meetings today. They go over the flat at Carlisle, Goodwood, Redcar, Leicester and Chepstow and over the jumps at Cartmel.
0: Right. This isn't working at the moment. You're both rubbish. Mm. You and Alex, terrible. And getting worse. He said, I know Mr. Black is waiting for that one big winner, but to win, you have to beat more than one horse. Yeah, I mm. suppose. I didn't get that either. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> range. To work that out? It's early. Yes, I was trying to work it. was a bit too <laughs> early for me. So you had made to run, seventh yeah. out of eight. Blatantly wasn't made he to He had run. rangefinder, seventh made- out of
1: eight. Made to run slowly.
0: Yeah. £35.84. Idea. How are you going to repay this money? I've got I know, no. Idea. It's getting a bit getting a bit serious now, isn't it? It is getting serious. He, he's in debt to twenty eight pounds seventy one. We need we need some biggies coming mm-hmm. up. So Monday's lost cause bank holiday. Monday's lost cause is the three fifty five red car. Yep. Kingdom of Fife, win only. Okay. What do you fancy?
1: Um, so it, it calls for desperate measures. So I'm God. I'm going each way this morning. Oh, yeah? Uh, I'm going to Goodwood
0: 310. Don't ever look at it as desperate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just looking at it as a new challenge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, 310, Goodwood, made to ransom. Made to ransom. Each Each way. way. So you've had made to run and now made to ransom. (laughs) Right. Got this thing about maids quite clearly. (laughs) Yes. So each way. Each way. Woo, we like that. I think it's about 12 to 1 at the moment. Is it? um,
1: It's worth going each way, I think.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, I hope so. Well, for your sake, mm. I hope so. Well, for uh, yeah, sake. I'm
1: taking your advice, so, uh...
0: Well, listen, you won't regret it. <laughs> Many <laughs> in your situation in the past have, have sort of gone, they've been a bit anti it, they've yeah. done it, and they've been quite happy well, with the, it. The one time
1: I've done it so far, I think it, it, it worked, so yeah. I'm going to give it another go. Well,
0: let's keep our fingers. Anything, anything, a couple of quid mm. would be nice, just to put exactly. in the pot. All right. Thank you very much, indeed. (laughs) Phil will return later on uh, Breakfast. James Max is with Breakfast this morning. Indeed. He's a big sporting fan, apparently. (laughs) Big sporting fan. You only have to look at him to realise how much of a sport he is. (laughs) Anyway, thank you very much, indeed. Phil will return later. Are you wearing shorts? I am. Shorts on a bank holiday? Good (laughs) Lord. I didn't know shorts existed like that. (laughs) Three-quarter length shorts. Not with my legs. I'm never doing that. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. See you later. Right. Uh, I was going to mention this, this nurse again. Um, this is the hospital worker. She's not a nurse, actually. The hospital work, she takes blood samples. And they have said to her, listen, you can't wear this. It's quite a big crucifix. You can't wear it because it might get contaminated. Also, very dangerous. If you get patients, and you do get people who grab at things, it's like sort of police constables who've got the clip-on uh, ties and stuff like that. They're, they're just clip on so that if somebody pulls them. And so th- they've said to her, you can carry it in your pocket. But she said, no, I'm not doing that. So, in other words, she's not prepared to compromise. They've offered a compromise. You cannot wear it around your neck. You really can't. You know, there are certain things which you can wear. She says, my cross means a lot to me. Well, it can still mean a lot to you in your pocket, dear. When you finish at the hospital, you then put it on. What's difficult about that? Answer, she's quite clearly wanting to be difficult. She says, my faith is important to me. Well, so it it will pop it in your pocket. You don't have to go to church to be religious. You know, you might want to sort of. So just pop it in your pocket for the duration. It's as simple as that. Or failing that, if, you know, if your faith is important, why don't you get a cross tattooed around your neck? And that way, nobody could say anything at all. But uh, again, these people just seem to like appearing in the newspapers. They're quite clearly, you know, people who aren't prepared to compromise, which is unusual for Christians, isn't it? Because you would have thought the first person to compromise would have been Christian. God, yeah, that's okay. I'll pop it in my pocket. I understand that. Um, that it's, it's against the rules. She only takes blood, for goodness sake. We don't want blood getting contaminated. Not that it should do, because it goes in the syringe. So, uh, Susan did not sing her best on purpose. On purpose, somebody said. I quite like that idea. On purpose. A lot of people guessing that the the male pizza delivery singer will win. Oh, I do hope not. I really hope not. And, uh, after her singing uh, Memory from Cat... I mean, it's a great song, Memory from Cat, but it's, uh, it, she's obviously trying to work her way up to an album, but they're very careful not to let her sing too many things. They don't want her to sort of go, you know, over the top. So they're, they're quite clearly watching this one very, very carefully. Very, very carefully. Just in case she uh, she pushes it. There's, a, uh, there's another nurse story in the paper today. This one's been sacked. Uh, after he advised two patients to turn to God during a role-play session on a training course. Anand Rao, 71, who worked in nursing for more than 40 years, was taking part in an exercise arranged by Leicester NHS Trust. In one of the scenarios, Mr Rao advised a woman playing the role of a patient with a serious heart condition to attend church. He told another woman to pray to God. Mr Rao, who was sacked after investigation, is considering taking legal action for religious discrimination. Have you noticed, all these people want money now. These people want Want money? They just want give me money. Why? Why? What have happened to years ago? We just went okay. They made a mistake. In many of these cases, they haven't made mistakes, and yet still people want. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a you know an example of this. Eight four eight five zero. Gwen in uh, in Sussex says I've every station under the sun, but not you today. The day will not be the same without you. You must learn to podcast. Linda, I have no idea. I didn't know there was a, a gift shop. Oh, you mean sort of if, if, if people... No, I don't think there is, actually. I don't. Th- I think people will be giving you things. I think people will be giving you things. Badges, I suspect. And uh, and stuff like that. That's what I think. Do you know, tyres on some brand-new cars could be dangerous because they're already up to two years old. Rubber deteriorates on a wheel and cars straight off the assembly line are left outside in storage parks be being, before being sold on. This was a story that I did some weeks ago when we had uh, the, the case of people saying, oh, well, you know, the idea of buying a brand-new car. And I say, yeah, but it's not a brand-new car. What you're buying is a brand-new number plate. The actual car that you've bought is is not new it could have been sitting in a field for gosh ages and ages and all they do is they, they just take all this gunk off it and then it becomes a new car because they put a new number plate on that's that's the only the only thing that's new about it which is a bit of a shame because i always thought that if you bought a brand new car that was the thing coming off the i thought that would come off the production line they'd put my my plate on it and then it would be mine no it's have been sitting in a field or in or covered over with something horrible isn't it angela happy uh, bank holiday to you She says, have a great day. Every day's great when you're on. Which is quite nice, isn't it? I like that idea. OK Magazine, Jordan speaking out, as if you could shut her up. Uh, The truth about our split. Uh, The truth about the split is, Jordan, that nobody believes a word you say. Uh, We know you're rude and offensive to him. Uh, We always said we'd split if one of us cheated. Well, he hasn't uh, cheated. He he said he hasn't cheated. Uh, You haven't cheated. It's because you're foul-mouthed and because you're constantly putting him down. And I think after a while... The little Greek boy's had enough. And he's finally, he's turned round and he's gone, no. I've had a... i have had I hope he sells stories on what... Because wouldn't you all love to know what really goes on? I don't think he will. In fact, I'm pretty certain he won't do anything like that. That's not his uh, his sort of bag at all. But uh, I hope he gets his, his money out of it, irrespective of whether or not he'd signed a, one of these prenuptial things. Today, if you want to do something, get out there. Do something today. Go on a, go on a boat trip. Go round, visit a museum. Go for a walk. Go to... No, you can't go to Hornchurch. There'll be nothing left at Hornchurch. There's no no seat for anything. Uh, which is quite nice. So, yeah, but do something. Don't don't sit in today. Even if you're by yourself. Go, go to a garden centre. Do something. Bridget says, uh, It was great meeting you at the Riverside. The latest information about the Riverside development is the council are closing down Arthur's. Could this be because they showed the alternative plant? They're closing... Down. This is a... I mean, just... The council ran our way... Um, I mean, um, I'm having battles with the council at the moment, because we have, let's just call it a food outlet, who are disposing of their rubbish we know not where. It's food, and uh, they started dumping in everybody else's bins. Uh, Then the man who owns it, who is a compulsive liar, it's an embarrassment to tell you he's a compulsive liar. I I won't identify the food outlet, but this man is also a benefit fraudster. He's also a minicab driver. He's also all sorts of things. And the council have not asked the obvious question, where is your rubbish going? It's a food outlet. And um, it's, it's all just so complicated now. Now we have a riverside and we had an old swimming pool and they wanted to put up houses and people around there said, no, we don't want houses... We quite like an area for the kids to play. You know, can you get rid of the drunks? That'd be quite useful. And there's a cafe there called Arthur's, and, and people go and sit up there. Admittedly, it's quite the wrong end, but they're going to sort of bring it back up the other end, which would be great. Now, you know, they might, they might close that down as well. The trouble is nowadays, councils do what they want to do, don't they? You know, it, it, it doesn't really matter what local people want. It's a case of, if you get elected, and by God, they've made some very odd decisions in the council. I do remember, do you remember I told you when I turned on the Christmas lights, somebody from the council said to me, said, I'll, I'll, uh, you don't need to say anything, I don't think many people know who you are. I thought, kind of proved you wrong, didn't we, sunshine? You know, seeing as, n- that's right, yes, seeing as 99% of the people there knew exactly who I was. So I'm... That's right, I did say, do you know this man? <laughs> Nobody knew. <laughs> Which city do you prefer between Glasgow and Edinburgh? Both. Glasgow was city of culture. Used to be an absolute dump, but it's now quite nice. Edinburgh's a bit posh and full of Americans. Uh, Richie says, lovely day. I'm sen- sending in a friend instead. Maxine, lovely lady. You're sure to bond well. Sadly, I shall be in work all day. No leaving at 7am sev- for me. And the trouble is, sometimes it's nice working, isn't it, on a bank holiday. I think people are in better moods on bank holidays. People, people go around with a smile on their face. I think so. Uh, Steve, how did uh, Steve Pound, says John, find time to actually sit in the Commons with that journey from Ealing three times a day? I don't know. He says, by the way, Anita Harris was Brilliant all we need to hear. 84850 steve at LBC.co.uk. Uh, very quickly. On the the Weather Girl, is she the one that Nathan Morley has taken a shot? Oh, I don't know. The, no, it's no, Nathan Morley likes the other one. Nathan yeah, he likes Lucy virasani we think. Yes, he, he he wouldn't like this one. Also, says Paul, I believe you often put up photos when you do your stage shows. We do. Is there any chance you can put them up on the website? as then we can manage to see what... Yes, I'm sure that that would... If there, was a, <laughs> if there was a show, for goodness sake. If there was, but I'm sure that probably by tomorrow morning we'll better let you... Well, I mean, my, not by tomorrow morning because it's, it's Tuesday, but probably by, by Wednesday at the outside there, there might be a, a sort of a website where you could go and have a look. C- certainly by the end of the week we will have them and you can have a look at, um, at people... Actually, if, <laughs> if anything was going on, Paul, for goodness sake. Quarter to seven. Travel, it's... Hell- Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 7 is the time. It's Bank Holiday Monday. And uh, from Jackie of Plumstead, Steve, our friends Colin, Gerald and Johnny took us to Rotherhithe on Saturday to view the musical paraphernalia. Brilliant. Had lunch. Saw Max Miller's suit. Unfortunately, they require a venue somewhere to store the material when the show finishes. Oh, I think they're doing very well indeed. Uh, I, didn't ha- I did have lunch there, actually. Uh, did I sign the book? I can't remember, actually, if I signed the book. I might not have done. I certainly had pictures taken and everything else. But it's very good. They've done very, very well indeed. Uh, Gemma says, I shall be celebrating my 28th birthday in seat A14. There you go. Nice to do things in the afternoon, isn't it? And, uh, Steve, I'm going out today to Amsterdam. But if I wasn't, I'd have gone somewhere else. So you have to do another one. That's Pam in Brent. Why why to Amsterdam? We were looking at Amsterdam as a holiday venue the other week. And thinking... I remember going there some years ago. And I stayed in Rotterdam. With a friend of mine, and then we drove to Amsterdam for one evening out. By God, that was an eye opener. I've never seen like it in my life. It was, I mean, it was really sort of very much. We'd only been there five minutes, and already we were offered drugs. We don't just park the car up, and somebody said, "Do you want to buy drugs?" I thought we haven't even eaten or anything like that. You lived there for six months. A friend of mine works in a hotel out there now, uh, and has been there for some years. It was, it was quite interesting. We, we, we asked a policeman, "Can you tell us where where the, the girls in the windows are?" Because it's a bit of a tourist attraction. So you can imagine, can't you? Dale Winton and Steve Allen walking up and down the canals looking at girls in windows. (laughs) Not the kind of thing you hear talked about very often, but but we did. We found it quite fascinating, but they didn't have any of those Marijuana cafes when we were there. I think that was sort of, even though you you, you could smoke Marijuana, I think it was, uh, now it's it's fairly open with the cafes. But they had the most amazing neon signs, with words I can't repeat on this programme, mainly, I think, to appeal to the Japanese tourists who queued up to watch... ...couples cavorting on stage and things like that. But um, I, I thought people only went there for, for the Edam cheese and uh, and clogs. But there, there was a touristy side to it. I quite like Amsterdam. It's a bit like Vienna. A little bit like Vienna. It's a little bit sort of steeped in history. Uh, Steve, I thought I'd take my son to a museum in London. I'm trying to get him away from his games console. Any suggestions on museums? Oh, all of them. I tell you what, it depends how old. The most popular one is the Natural History where you can have a look at, unfortunately, not real dinosaurs, because somebody said to me, if they were real dinosaur bones, they'd have to reinforce the ceiling, because they're all uh, casts. But you're like that, and then you can nip over the road, and probably not for the natural history, but the geology museum's very good as well, very popular. So you can do those two there. And that that should be quite enough, actually. Quite enough. Uh, Steve, listen to your Paul Nicholas interview again. Wouldn't Paul Nicholas make a wonderful TV host of some kind... Actually, he would. He's, he's, I, think he's, I think he needs to keep working for the amount of children he's got. <laughs> uh, 84850, oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, other stories in the papers today, because I, I wish I could tell you something that was really going on, but there really isn't a, a great deal in there. Although, you can now buy Hogwarts uniforms for those people obsessed with Harry Potter. The Ayrshire knitwear firm, which makes jumpers and tank tops for the movies, is bowing to demand to sell to the public. The boss... Keith Murray said, we've already had orders from the UK, France and Holland. To be honest with you, I've got no idea what the Hogwarts uniform looks like, but if, if people want to buy it, I suppose it's as bad as Britain Got talent, with that bizarre man uh, who's, uh, who's dressed up as Darth Vader. I not quite understand what he was doing on there. I mean, I don't actually see that. It was sort of a semi-Michael Jackson. And they put him through! Which is dreadful. Barmy councillors as well, I'm afraid, uh, plan to ban boozers from buying more than two drinks at a time. They claim that by stopping punters from getting rounds in, they will reduce binge drinking and cut alcohol-fuelled violence. No, well, they won't. That's the trouble. If people want want to drink, they will drink. Customers will have to form post-office-style queues at the bar, complete with rope barriers. All 22 pubs. In the centre of Oldham, will have to comply with the plans drawn up by the Lib Dem Council. I've got... I can imagine queuing up? So you've got... You know, as if you're walking... I hate those things We have to walk round here in the post office. Why well, you can't just go up to a counter, I've got no idea. It makes... Makes much more sense, doesn't it? But they're... They're planning on the same idea in pubs. I wish they'd just check on how old people are. Ray in Barkingside says, uh... Gemma in A14, I'm A12. Looking forward to meeting Jan. Oh, I know. Uh, (laughs) You won't miss her. You won't miss her. Uh, Jarvis Cocker, What's he doing? Nothing particularly exciting, I'm afraid. And then it's all sporty. Sporty. I'm more intrigued by the idea that we've got some horse racing going on today, which might actually see a winner. It's 12 to 1 at the moment. I think there could be something uh, very, very interesting. All the papers are full of today is, I'm afraid, terribly sadly, Jordan looking as rough as anything, and Britain's Got Talent. Which is, which is fairly good, but it's all, it's all dreary Susan Boyle. I am afraid. I do love Shelley Vision. He talks about The Apprentice, and he talks about, um, um... That's about it, actually. Strange enough, all these people... I don't know who anybody is on The Apprentice. It's only when they get rid of somebody, I then go, oh, right, that was who they were. That was who they were trying to get rid of. And then they sort of have stories in the papers about how dreadful they were and things like that. Uh, areas that... Uh, where pubs and bars aren't blighted by boozed-up jobs could soon win awards... It's almost like sort of having a, a beach. And they go, oh, it's actually a very, very nice beach. And you go, oh, that's good. It's got kind of won an award. I'd love an area where the council didn't licence. Around our way, it's late night food places. Till 3.30 in the morning. What sort of barm... The trouble is, once one, one's one got it, they all do it. And it's just disgusting, you know. The only people who go in a, a you know, place for food about 3 in the morning are the drunks. And they they don't get... They just throw everything all over the place. Absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Apparently it's pronounced marijuana, not marijuana. Oh, right. I thought it was marijuana. Is it not? Marijuana, it's pronounced. Thank you for that. It's always nice to know, actually, isn't it? Because I'm I'm hopeless at the things that I know nothing about, these things. Uh, Manchester United legend... Patty Crerand is backing our Hope Not Hate campaign. Wouldn't it be lovely if one of these days you woke up and there were no bad stories in the papers? Wouldn't it would be great if you actually opened up the papers one day and there was, sort of, there was a good story, there was a nice story, but there again, there's no point. We, we, we tried it years ago on LBC and they said, what, what sort of nice... Sto- Could you do a whole programme just on nice stories? And it, it was just not physically possible. There weren't enough nice stories to do the rounds. There really weren't. I mean, even uh, Brian McAdam, Brian, McAd- Brian, McAd- Brian McFadden... You know he's uh, out with uh, Delta Goodrum. He's just postponed his wedding, but they've insisted the relationship's not in trouble. In other words, it must be, otherwise they wouldn't be saying that. They always do this thing, because there's nobody else involved. Next thing, they've split up. (laughs) That's that kind of thing. Last night, he he said it's OK. He's currently filming a new reality show in Melbourne. And he says, we don't want to get married between... Brian McFadden's doing a reality show. Perhaps the the Melbourneese have taken him to their hearts. Isn't that lovely, actually? Like all the uh, the Westlife fans did when he decided to leave, we're quite like Brian, except he was married to that balmy woman. And um, more on the uh, the body popping grandfather claiming seventy pound a week for the free car for his bad leg because he gets disability allowance. You know, nobody goes around and checks these people, do they? About time. Although well done to the Sun for highlighting it with the DHSS, and they said, "Don't worry, we're onto it already." He gets a, a gleaming silver Ford Focus, but he's on in. Invalidity benefit, disability benefit, 73, a benefit fraud. I mean, it's, ju- it's just appalling. Don't these people realise? We had somebody on a BBC programme which was exposing uh, fraudsters, and it turned out she was a fraudster as well. The BBC have now taken her off air and said uh, we, we we were aware of that afterwards. Thank you very much indeed for telling us. So uh, it's it's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting when you, when you sort of read about these people in the paper. And nobody ever does any checks. Like we had that Neil Horan, that Barmy man who held up the Grand Prix, managed to make it through. And they said, oh, you know, it only emerged after we'd filmed the programme. You think, well, just cut him out. Cut him out. It's not difficult. The Queen's mourning today. She's lost two corgis, I'm afraid. But she's decided not to replace them, but to let her seven strong pack decrease naturally. I can't bear corgis. I never like corgis. They're like sausage dogs. They're like sausage dogs. I don't like. Sa- they don't look like proper dogs, do they? I don't, I'm, I mean, ooh, sausage dogs and corgis. But the Queen absolutely loves them. They've had them for ages and ages, and uh, I think she's had about thirty up until now. And they just they just don't look like dogs to me. I don't know. I'm sure they are, but they just don't look like proper dogs. I don't know what a proper dog is, but it's obviously, uh, it's obviously not that. Uh, the BBC are already making a documentary on Prince William and Kate Middleton, ready for when they get engaged. Do you know, I dreamt about Prince William. How bizarre is that? It's just jogged my memory. I was, I was doing something and I was walking out, or was sitting in a, could have been sitting in a burger place or something like that, and he walked past. And I remember saying to the person I was with, that's Prince William. And somebody went, that's so silly. I went, no, it's Prince William, I promise you. And do you know, it was so vivid and so real, I'm just now beginning to wonder whether or not it actually was a dream. <laughs> Perhaps it was real. Perhaps Prince William was around my area the other day. Uh, Paul's not short of a bob or three. Doesn't he have the production company with David Ian? Uh, yes, he does, actually. But I think, actually, with sort of his houses to look up, he's quite canny. He's quite a canny bloke, actually. He's, 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 he knows exactly what he's doing half the time. And yet he just loves work. He absolutely loves work. Uh, hope you have a good bank holiday. Uh, Joanne is dog-sitting in Ealing. Have been since last Tuesday. I can't wait to get home now. No mobile phone. Left it in my hubby's car. We had a bit of a round. He's still got it. That's what you think. (laughs) He'll have thrown it out the window by now. In fact, I don't know how you can survive without a mobile phone. I can't survive without mine. It's an odd thing, isn't it? After all the years, the one thing that you now become paranoid paranoid over is, is losing your mobile phone or the computer breaking. If the computer breaks at home, I sit there in disbelief, thinking perhaps it'll come back to life, but you've got no control over it. And, uh, I've only ever lost my mobile phone once, or mislaid it. Turned out to be in Lynn's place. Thank goodness, I, I got so panicky. I rang it, I could hear it ringing. And I was so worried in case somebody else answered it, it went, yes. You go, excuse me, I think you've got my mobile phone. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, John says, before you go, don't go to Hornchurch. Reports say, very busy today. I know, so I've heard. Listen, that's it uh, for this morning. I'm back with you tomorrow morning whereby it'll be Tuesday, and you'll have had a nice uh, bank holiday, hopefully. Uh, I'll leave you in the capable hands of uh, an excellent line-up today. James Max is with you after the uh, news at 7 o'clock, so I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 5. Don't forget to podcast. Please podcast the programme. Please make an old man very happy. Have a lovely bank holiday. See you all later.